0: Evidence and Answers. America has had two great reform movements the abolition of slavery and the civil rights movements that corrected the course of our nation and made her a stronger country. Today, there are dangerous movements that seek to tear down the United States. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zuckerman. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, Pat will explain how America was able to make reforms that built our nation and why some movements today should raise our concern. Now, with the conclusion of a message entitled American Exceptionalism, is our host, Pat Zukran.
1: Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers, come right from the Bible and the sermons of the pastors who were preaching from that era. you know The pastors would preach their messages and would be reprinted like newspapers and passed around there up and down the East Coast. And many of the pastors were preaching these ideas relating to biblical truth, moral law, and the government. Take a look at our Declaration of Independence. This is our birth certificate. This is the why of America and you'll see that our Declaration of Independence states their basis of freedom is built on a Creator, creation, and a God-given moral law. There are four direct references to God clearly in our Declaration, and references to the Bible are all over the place. Here are some of the direct references to God here. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cause which impel them to the separation. Of course, the Famous statement there, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Creation, Creator, God-given moral absolutes. Where do they come from? They come right from the Bible. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world, for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these United States colonies are and of the right ought to be free and independent states. And then they conclude with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. And they're referring to the biblical God who superintends the affairs of all men. So our founding fathers believe that their cause was just and moral and they were appealing to the bible and to god as their judge you see unfortunately our history books have been written from a socialist perspective and many of us are taught that the revolutionary war was fought all about economics it was all about money taxation without representation but if you read the original documents themselves and i didn't read them until i got to graduate school because that's where i was learning you know, you need to read the original documents for themselves. You want to know what an author thought? You got to read the original documents. And our founding fathers believe that they had a just and a moral cause. And what were they basing their cause upon? What was the standard of justice? It was the Bible. It was biblical truth taught in the Bible. They were appealing to God's law and to God as their judge. So our founding fathers believed they had a just cause. They were battling injustice and tyranny. It was This war was not fought only about economics. In high school and college, you know, I was taught the reason we went to war was taxation without representation. All right. It was fought about money. Well, no. It, If you read the founding documents, our founding fathers believed they had a just cause based on biblical principles, and they were appealing to God as the just judge. And when you look at the Declaration of Independence, there's a list of 27 grievances, all right? They were battling injustice and tyranny there. And when you look at the list of grievances, taxation without representation was not even in the top 10. I think it was number 17, Right. In fact, of the fifty-six men who signed the Declaration of Independence, twenty-four had degrees from seminary. That's contrary to what we're taught in school today, that our founding fathers were a bunch of deist agnostics and atheists. Here, now the principles that framed our Constitution also come right from the Bible. The Constitution is the how of American government. The Declaration of Independence is the why. The Constitution is the how of the American government. And a key ideology that guided the Constitution was the concept of human sinfulness. This was key for the Constitution. And this comes directly from Romans chapter 7. Because of their strong biblical teaching, our Founding Fathers understood that man was basically sinful and a fallen being, and it was dangerous to place power in the hands of one individual or just a small group of men. There needed to be a check and balance system. So the trilateral check and balance system that we have today was based on the concept of human sinfulness and also the equality of all men. That was unique. Where did that come from? Well, that comes from the biblical view of government that teaches the equality of all men and women and the rule of law over all persons, including the king himself. Many European countries, the king is the law. Whatever he states is the law. But the Bible taught even the king is under the law of God. Deuteronomy 17 verses 14 through 20 states, When the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken From that of the priests who are levites it is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the lord his god and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or the left then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in israel 50 of the 55 men who signed the constitution were church members who endorse the Christian faith. Another important founding document are the Federalist Papers. They are in to explain the how of the Constitution. Now, the architects of the Federalist Papers are James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay. You know about Madison and Hamilton. Do you know about John Jay? Who was this man who many considered to be the chief architect? Of the Federalist Papers. Who was this man? We often don't hear about him a lot. Well, he was the president of the American Bible Society. He also was the first chief justice of the Supreme Court and the first president of Congress there. Tremendous individual, key player in the foundation of our nation. And he was the president of the American Bible Society and our first chief justice of the Supreme Court. Man, talk about separation of church and state, our first chief justice was the president of the American Bible Society. So you can see Christianity had a key role in our founding, in our education, in the uniting of our nation, in our founding documents, and in reforming our nation. You know, America, like all countries, is not a perfect nation. And I am not defending American perfectionism here. I am defending American exceptionalism. There have been many dark moments in our history when we failed to live up to our founding principles, but it was our very commitment to moral and biblical principle, to an authority and law higher than our own that impelled us to self-correct and to use our greatest mistakes as the greatest opportunities to reassert the dignity of every human being and the cause of human freedom. Now... In the United States, there are two major reformations that occurred in our history. Sorry, women, I don't have enough time to talk about the women's movement or others. I'm just going to focus on these two here, the abolition of slavery and the civil rights movement. Now, before the Civil War, a great event occurred. Guess what that is? The Second Great Awakening. This was the second great Christian spiritual revival that broke out throughout the United States. Historians believe the ideas set forth during the religious movement known as the Second Great Awakening inspired abolitionists to rise up against slavery. It was this Christian Protestant revival that encouraged the concept of adopting renewed morals which centered around the idea that all men are created equal in the eyes of God. The abolitionists were Christians who appealed to the Bible, the highest law over all mankind, and they appealed to our founding documents, especially the Declaration of Independence, the highest law in our land, and as we studied, was based upon biblical principles. You study the leaders of the abolitionist movement who were in government office. William Lloyd Garrison, Frederick Douglass, John Quincy Adams, Abraham Lincoln, and others, appealed to the Bible, to the highest moral law over all mankind, and to our founding documents, especially the Declaration of Independence in their moral and just cause to defeat slavery. John Quincy Adams. You know, before President Lincoln, John Quincy Adams fought for the end of slavery in America, as did several presidents before him. And John Quincy Adams wrote this, he stated, The inconsistency of the institution of domestic slavery with the principles of the Declaration of Independence was seen and lamented by all the Southern patriots of the Revolution, by no one with deeper and more unalterable conviction than the author of the Declaration himself. He would be referring to Jefferson there. In the memoir of his life, of Jefferson's life, written at the age of 77, He gave to his countrymen the solemn and emphatic warning that the day was not far distant when they must hear and adopt the general emancipation of their slaves. Nothing is more certainly written, said Jefferson, in the Book of Fate that these people are to be free. My countrymen, it is written in a better volume than the Book of Fate. It is written in the laws of nature and of nature's God right that's what John Quincy Adams said and President Lincoln upon Gettysburg there where many had lost their lives in the cause of freedom of course his famous speech there he stated we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth so like Washington before him Lincoln understood that America's new birth of freedom would require that the nation seek the source of its liberties in the same place it had prior to the Civil War, under God. And so those who fought against slavery knew they had a just and moral cause, and they appealed to the Bible, God's law, and they appealed to our founding documents, especially the Declaration, built upon these biblical principles. That's what they appealed to in their just cause here. And that was the motivation for the abolition of slavery. Now, the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, in his great speech, I Have a Dream, appealed to the same two sources, the Bible, God's moral law, and to our founding documents. Look throughout his great speech. He quotes scripture directly several times. Amos 5.24, he quotes, No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until, quote, justice rose down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He again stated, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 4 through 5. He appealed to the highest laws of all mankind, the Bible. Then he appealed to our founding documents, especially the Declaration of Independence. He stated this, When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men, as well as white men, would be guaranteed the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He goes on to say, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. See, Martin Luther King, Lincoln, Adams, they appealed to, to the Bible and to our founding documents built upon the principles of the Bible to defend their cause for equality. It was the principles of the Bible and the founding fathers that guided these movements that caused America to reform and become a better nation. Now have we rid our nation of racism? No, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Now there's a movement today called Black Lives Matter But this movement is very different from the abolitionist movement and the civil rights movement. So you can see there's a different ideology that drives it, and and it has a different feel from the movement led by Lincoln and Martin Luther King. Now, when you go on their website and you look at their belief statement, I'm reading directly from their last four paragraphs here, in their belief statement, they state, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. I hope you took note of that. They said we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. That's an attack on the biblical family. Sounds like they want to disrupt the oldest institution created not by man, but by God, the family. Now, no civilization has ever survived that has changed the definition of marriage and has removed the foundation of the family. Then they go on to state, we foster queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he or she or they disclose otherwise. Hope you caught that one. We foster queer affirming network. They want to end this heteronormative thinking that there are only two genders, male and female. Well, this is an attack on the very image of God. They want to end the biblical definition of gender. So not only is there assault on God's institution, there's an assault here on the very image of God. Then they state... We embody and practice justice, liberation and peace in our engagements with one another. We embody and practice justice. On what grounds do they seek justice? On whose terms? What standard are you measuring right and wrong by? If you read in their belief statement on their page, there's no appeal to the Bible. There's no appeal to our founding documents. So on what basis are you declaring something right and wrong? How do you define justice then? What is the moral standard here by which you judge something right or wrong? We don't like it. You know, unlike the abolitionist movement and civil rights movement in which these leaders were appealing to the Bible as the standard over all mankind and our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution as the laws of our land, they appealed to those documents as their standard of morality and justice. If you look at Black Lives Matter, there is no reference to the Bible, no reference to our founding documents. On what grounds, then, do you seek justice? Reform in our country is not going to come through lawlessness and anarchy. Reform is not going to come by removing our Christian faith and heritage. Reform is not going to come by tearing down our government, the Constitution, or our history. Good reform is going to come when we do as Lincoln and Luther did. Hold our nation accountable to God's laws and our founding documents, which were built upon the laws of God. Without those laws, who do we appeal to? What standard allows us to know if we are reforming for the better or the worse? So this is a movement I recommend you highly be cautious of. Now. What's the importance of remembering our history and our foundation? Well, we've got to remember the principles that made us great. This is freedom's triangle. Now, in order for a nation to be free, there must be a universal moral law code. See, freedom is not possible without a morally good people who can govern themselves. And in order for people to govern themselves without the interference of government, We need a universal moral law code that we all know is true and is the authority over every person that we will all abide by. Now, you can't have a moral law code without a moral law giver. That's why faith, Christian faith specifically, is the basis of this moral law code. The basis of this morality is faith. You cannot have a universal moral law code Without a moral law giver. So freedom's triangle has three points. Freedom, morality, or virtue, and faith. Those are the three corners of the triangle. Our founding fathers understood that you need these three principles in order to have a prosperous and free country. Without God, you cannot have a moral law code. You cannot have a universal moral law that's authority over all mankind without a moral lawgiver. So without God and without God's moral law, a free society cannot endure. This was the warning of all our presidents from Washington until modern times. Washington's farewell address was once considered the most important speech ever given in our nation and it was a textbook to be studied by all students at one time. It no longer is, but it definitely should be. And Washington stated this in his farewell address, he said, of all the disposition and habits." which lead to political prosperity. Religion and morality are indispensable supports. He goes on to say, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. And he was talking about Christianity specifically. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. John Adams, president who followed Washington, said this, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Our Founding Fathers understood you cannot have freedom without a virtuous and moral people who can govern themselves. And you can't have a universal moral law without a moral lawgiver. So God and God's moral law are absolutely essential to freedom. President Eisenhower said this, Without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of this supreme being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. And Ronald Reagan, speaking at a prayer breakfast in Dallas, said this, and without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we'll be a nation gone under. So as we close, what are some principles that we can apply from what we have studied today? Well... Number one, understand when you study the history of the United States, understand it's the Bible and the Christian faith that was essential in the building of our nation and is a vital part in maintaining our freedom and our prosperity here in the United States. Second, we must remember our history and what made us great and hold to those very principles. Third, to make reforms we need to make, to make America better, comes when we return to the principles that made America great, not departing or tearing them down. And what were those principles? God, the Word of God, and the founding documents, which were built upon biblical principles. And finally, we have an election coming up. In a republic like ours, we need to vote for men and women who fear God and will make just laws based on the Word of God. A constitutional republic like ours is only going to succeed when men and women of the highest moral character who know right from wrong can go and make just laws based on just and righteous principles of God's Word and our founding documents. So we have a tremendous responsibility every four years to vote men and women of the highest moral character who go in and represent us and make laws that are just and good. Well, what kind of country are we going to leave for our children? Well, I hope it is an America that is good, that is just, and that is free. And that can happen if we bring our nation back to God and the biblical principles that build a strong nation.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence & Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally. That number in Hawaii is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence & Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website, Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there on the homepage. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckrat.